Well, I want to welcome you uh, this morning, those who are here at 9.30, those worshiping online at the Well and the Well Cafe. Uh, so glad that you're here. If we have not met, my name is David. Uh, thrilled to share with you. If you have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to open that to Deuteronomy chapter 26. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, uh, Deuteronomy 26 is on page 311 uh, in the blue Bibles that we have available in all of our worship spaces. You're going to hear me say the word Deuteronomy many times this morning because it's one of my favorite words in the Bible. I don't know why I've never met anyone named Deuteronomy. I mean, I think that'd be a great name. So if you're expecting, think about that. We'd love to baptize a Deuteronomy. That'd be cool. Uh, That's where we'll be uh, in just a moment. Uh, I serve as a senior pastor here. I'm also, I'm reminded uh, as I see that video, I'm also an amateur wedding photographer, uh, if you did not know. So you saw this image uh, in that video. I just want you to know I took that. So uh, I have, I've never done this before uh, and, and haven't done it since in the middle of a wedding uh, right before saying you may kiss the bride. I just decided to pull my phone out and snap that picture because I thought that they would like it. And uh, they do. So that's cool. Uh, but to, to, to be in a moment like this, as you can imagine, I mean, that's just such a sacred, uh, incredible thing. I, I often joke that I have the best seat at a wedding uh, to be there with, with two people who are committing their life uh, to one another. And, and it's even more special w- when I think about uh, Kelsey and Andrew because of the growth that has happened in their life and, and, and for you to hear a little bit of the growth that's happening in their life as they build their life together now. It's, a, uh, it's an incredible thing to see. It's, it's something worth celebrating. And the reason for that, just in, in case you're not aware of this, you haven't picked up on it yet, that's what the church is about. The church is about change and transformation. The church is all about people growing closer uh, in in love with God, loving others, and and service to the world. Nothing else matters more to us than inviting people to meet Jesus, seeing lives transformed, and helping one another grow into more deeply committed followers of Jesus. That's what the entire life of the church is about, everything that we do. That's what gets us up in the morning. That's what we get excited about. That's what energizes us for for all that we do. Nothing is more important to us than that work of inviting people into relationships, seeing them grow and develop as as the people that God has called them to be. That's, That's everything for us. And I hope that you share that sense of energy and passion for that work. Uh, in your own life, in the life of your family, in the life of those who, who you are close to. I hope you share that. I hope that that energizes you. But even if it does, here's what I know is happening this weekend. Some of you, you may be here for the very first time today. And, and, and as you saw that opening video, as cute and wonderful as they are, you may have thought to yourself, oh no, why did we come on this weekend? <laughs> Oh, what? or maybe you came for the first time and, and you're walking in and you're thinking, see, I told you so. All the church ever talks about is money. That's exactly what he's about to talk about. I can't believe I came on this particular weekend. And if you're anywhere in the ballpark of that, I, I just want to encourage you to hear not only today's message, but also this series that we're beginning. I want to encourage you to hear it from what might be a new perspective. Here's what I hope everyone hears not only today, but in the weeks to come. I hope you hear that this church cares about you. This church cares about you and cares about your life. Part of the reason that we challenge ourselves is that we recognize, just as as Kelsey stated there, people showed up for us before we even knew what we needed. 
People showed up, invested in us, made space for us, made, made a, a, a way to faith available for us before we even knew anything about it, before we knew what it took, what the sacrifices that had to be made. We had no knowledge of that, and yet people were there. And so we want to be people who are faithful to do for others what others have done for us. We want to be people who live with a sense of gratitude. Lord, thank you for, for, for ensuring that someone was there at my point of need. Someone was there, whether it was a Sunday school teacher or a, a pastor or whatever it might have been, a close relationship. Someone was there to help me understand what it means to live as a follower of you. And we want to be faithful to providing that same pathway for others, which means that every single person who walks through any of these doors for the first time they might be walking into a brand new way of life, finding something here well beyond what they expected. And we as a church family, we care very deeply about that. If you ever come to starting point, make a decision to join our church, here's what I'm gonna tell you. As a member, there's no perks, none. Only responsibilities, the responsibility to share in our mission because we're an organization that doesn't look just to ourselves but looks beyond ourselves. Always looking for that next person who might walk through the door and might be allowed to walk into a whole brand new way of life. The church cares about you, and the church cares about God's world. We care about God's world. You heard about Madame Morris uh, uh, and, and, and wheelchairs being, being delivered there, uh, given to, to those in need. In, in Mexico, I, I prayed for an emergency response team this morning that is on their way right now to, to Corpus Christi area doing some work. I don't know uh, how many teams we've sent out since uh, the hurricane in the south, but it's been many there working. Uh, this weekend, we had people working in our community with Hands of Christ. Uh, we have people on a regular basis who go and feed uh, the homeless community in Fort Worth. We do all sorts of things in our community because we care about God's world. But we're also about the formation of people's lives, men and women who will grow into deeply committed followers of Jesus because there's more, there's more work to be done. And we want to make sure that that work continues. We care about God's world and we care about change. We care about change. We believe in change. We think it's possible. We think God can do amazing things in people's lives. We care about change. And because we care about change, we're willing to talk about those things that we need to do in order to experience change in our life. Those things that may be a little bit uncomfortable for us to talk about, but we do it because we believe in change. And if you're here for the first time and you're just checking this whole thing out, you're not even really sure about this book and what it might mean for you in your life, here's the best news for you. You're off the hook on all of this anyways. Because <laughs> you haven't yet made that commitment in your life, that's totally fine. Maybe for you, you will at least walk out with an understanding of why Christians are so weird and give their money away. You're going to hear that today as we look at a principle that's going to guide us over the course of these next four weeks. Uh, and the principle is this, that faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. You're going to hear that each week as we move through this series, that faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. This is a promise that's repeated over and over again in the scriptures. And as we turn to Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to look at how Moses articulates this uh, in this 
book. A couple of words of context for you before we dive in here, because I'm guessing that most of you were not reading Deuteronomy this morning, okay? Uh, may not have been on your reading list uh, fairly recently. Mo, uh, Moses' uh, last words, instructions, encouragement for the people of Israel are contained in this book. Uh, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites on the brink of entering into the promised land. Uh, so you are probably more familiar with the beginning of Moses' story. That's in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. You may not have read the book, but you've seen the movie. So you know the highlights, right? You know that Moses goes to Egypt. He confronts Pharaoh, asking that Pharaoh would let God's people go. The Israelites who were living in slavery, they go back and forth and back and forth. There are plagues. Finally, Pharaoh relents. And he says, you can take them. Get them out of here. They're just causing me trouble. And the Israelites leave. And once the free labor has vacated uh, Egypt, that's when Pharaoh says, wait a second, maybe this wasn't a good idea. And so he sends his army to chase them down. They get to the Red Sea. You remember this part, Charlton Heston? Yeah, waters part. And the Israelites uh, pass uh, through the sea on dry ground. The Pharaoh's army tries to chase after them. And when they enter into the waters, the, uh, into the dry ground, the, the waters come back and, uh, and crash over the Egyptian army. And at this point, almost everyone lives happily ever after. That's, that's well, that's not quite true. Uh, but because this is the part of the story that you don't know as well. After that miraculous deliverance, 40 years uh, the Israelites spend wandering in the desert. For 40 years. So if, you, if you're here today and you're thinking, I just want God to give me some direction in my life. Be encouraged if it hasn't been 40 years yet, okay? Because for four, they're just wandering in the desert on the way to the land of God's promise. They've been waiting and hoping and anticipating. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is preparing them for that uh, that promise finally being realized in their life. They're right on the brink of entering into the promised land. And these are the words that Moses gives at the very end of his life to prepare them for what they must do and who they must be as they enter into the land of God's promise. So with that introduction, listen to what he says here, beginning in verse 1. Uh, Moses says, when you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you take possession of it and you are settled in it. Here's what you need to do. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. And then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. But then we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. 
Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. So you're going to get in this land, Moses says. And when you get there, uh, you're, you're going to be able to plant seeds. You're going to be able to experience a harvest. And when that first harvest comes, Moses says, here's what you need to do. You first need to find a basket. And, and when you find that basket, as you're harvesting that fruit, you need to put in that basket the first fruits, the, the sacred portion is how the scriptures refer to this in, in, other, in other parts, the, the, the portion that is set aside for God, the tenth. You bring those four, you, you, you collect those first fruits, you put them in the basket, and then you bring them, bring them to the place, uh, the, the place, the altar before God and you give that to the priest and you don't just say hey priest here you go I'm gotta go I'm in a rush I got next other things to do but no you give them and you declare in that moment you acknowledge you remember who you used to be and what God has done for you in your life and you acknowledge that even, even these fruits are the gift of the soil, and the soil is the gift of God, the, the land that God has given to you. And you present that offering to the priest in a way that, that, that enables you to remember what God has done in your life and who God is for you in your life. Now, as you think about this this. What, what Moses is asking them to do, I want you to, I want you to remember who, these, who, who this audience was. These were the sons and daughters of former slaves. Th these were not those who had been led out of Egypt. That generation had passed away. This was a new generation that had come. This was a generation that was caught between the stories they had heard from mom and dad and grandparents of what li life used to be like in Egypt. Caught between that and this promise, this hope of what life might one day be in a land that God would provide for them. They'd had nothing for their entire lives. That's all they had ever known. They'd never known the security of a, of a, of a home like we would think of a home. They'd never known the security of having land that they could, that they could uh, plant seed and grow crops. They, they had lived as a homeless, wandering people their entire lives. That's what their existence had been like up until this point. So, so these were people who had nothing. And they were waiting for something. They were waiting for quite some time. And they were waiting for something, hoping that it would change everything. And so in advance of that first harvest, in advance of entering into that land, this is the wisdom of Moses. This is what he, he warns them of. He says, I know who you are, your people. You've had nothing. You've been waiting for something. And you have this hope that that is going to change everything. And when that first crop comes in, when that harvest comes, it's going to be so easy to, for you to forget that all along the way, you have already had someone who has been your everything. It's going to be so easy for you to forget what it, the stories you'd heard of what life was like in Egypt. And it's going to be so easy for you to forget what it was like to wander in the, in the wilderness, just hoping and anticipating that one day you would find a home. It'll be so easy to forget. So what you need is a basket. What you need is a place to, to put your first fruits. 
as you receive something that you hope will change everything, that you will have a moment to remember that you already have someone who is your everything. Because for those, those people living thousands of years ago, and for us still today, the harvest is still the place where we are most tempted to find our security and to find our value. And, and, and the temptation that you face in your life, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a human being, just like me. And whenever the harvest comes, we all face that temptation. We all face that temptation to say, well, now I'm secure. And now I'm worth something. Now I have value in my life. I've been waiting for something. I'm hoping that it's going to change everything. And now, and now things are better because of this. And so the warning comes. This is what Moses says. He says, you, you, you're going to have to get a basket. And, you, and, and you, you need to collect those first fruits. And you need to bring them to the altar. And don't just, don't just toss it there. But take a moment and remember. Remember who you really are. Remember what it was like to have nothing. Remember what it was like to just wait for something. And remember that all along you've already had someone who has been your everything. And long before that first harvest, while you were still a slave in Egypt, before you had any value, before you had any security, God came for you. And he set you free. He invited you into a whole new way of life. And while wandering in the desert, you were never wandering alone. Because God was with you every step of the way. This past Thursday, I had the chance uh, to uh, have dinner with a gentleman I've invited to come and share with our men in a few weeks. I hope you'll join us uh, uh, for that event that you've already heard about. You're going to hear an, an incredible story uh, of a, a gentleman who has a company in Fort Worth. Uh, and I'm going to save for you the story of just how that, how that happened, because it's, it's, it's a very interesting, engaging uh, story uh, about his journey uh, through his 20s into his early 30s, just seeking to follow God and do what God was calling him to do and use his influence to bless the world. Uh, but he founded his company uh, at 33 years old. And, and what he told me about that uh, was that at 33, up until that point in his life, he'd never earned more than $12,000 a year. And so he had no business doing what he was about to do. But again, he was just, he said, I was doing the same thing I've been doing my entire life up until that point, the same thing that had led me into youth ministry and sent me to seminary and then sent me down to Mexico to teach English as a second language. I was just seeking to do what God was calling me to do. And I thought this was next. I thought this is what God was calling me to do. So we started this company. And so uh, Thursday night, we were talking about our mutual love for the country of Rwanda. Uh, I, I had the chance to go there in 2015, connected with Zoe Ministry, a ministry we support, uh, supporting orphans in, in, in Rwanda and other countries, and, and he through a ministry called Africa New Life. And so I asked him this question, how did you get connected with Rwanda? How did you get connected with Africa New Life? He said, oh, well, this is what happened. He said, you know, we started this company, and, and, and in a, the first few years, this is the problem we ran into. And of course, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, it's a new company. You expect all sorts of problems. What could it possibly be? He said, we just, we had so much more money than we knew what to do with. <laughs> Which you remember what that's like, right? You know, I just said, what are we going to do with all this money? It's just stop, just slow down. He said, it was, we just had all this money. We did not know what to do with it. And he said, you know, we were giving, we were giving it away. We, we, we had 
for most of our lives, we'd live with nothing. And we were used to that. We weren't used to this. Like, and, and so we were, we were tithing to our church and we were giving to other charities. But there was, he, he said, our giving fund was still, it was still growing. He said at that point, we had over $200,000 in this account. And I didn't, I didn't stop the story to ask him about, you know, what this was. I just let him continue. And he said, so we began to pray. I, my wife and I, we began to pray, God, what do you want us to do with this money? We don't know what to do with it. Will you just direct us? We, we want this to go to the right place. We want this to be a, the best investment in your kingdom. And, and they asked some close friends to join them in praying about where that money needed to go. Now, just as a side note, that is a real close friend. If you can invite someone to join you in praying about where to give $200,000, trusting that they won't come back and say, well, God said me, you know, right here. That was, that's a close friend. So one of those friends in that process connected him with the leader of African New Life. He was in the area and he brought him to his house. And the leader from Africa New Life at that point thought he was come to meet a potential big donor. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the guy tells me he shows up at my, you know, uh, two-bedroom, 1,500-square-foot house. And I could tell when he walked in, he was like, we're, we're at the wrong house. What are we doing here? <laughs> they, but he began to talk about the ministry. And he began to talk about what they were doing. And they asked questions. And one of the questions they asked is, you know, what are you, what are you dreaming about? What are you what's the next step for you? What's the next phase? What do you want to see happen? And they said, well, you know, one of the things that we've been dreaming about and we'd love to do is we'd love to build a school, to start a school to help train pastors uh, to serve communities all, all around Rwanda. That's one of the things we see as a need in that church. They need some seminary training for pastors. And as soon as the, the, the gentleman began to talk about this, uh, uh, what, he, what he shared with me is, is, is he just got really energized by this. And, and he just thought to himself, if this guy asks for $200,000, this is where this money needs to go. He begins to share more about it. And of course, he says, we, to get this off the ground, we need $200,000. They finish up their conversation, uh, the, the man from African New Life leaves, and then he turns to his wife and he said, well, what do you think? What were you, you know, what did you think about the presentation? She said, I, you know, I was really excited about all the things that they were doing, but then he started talking about this school. And I just, I just felt this nudge that said, if he asks for $200,000, this is where that money needs to go. And she said, what were you thinking? So I was thinking the exact same thing. And so they began their journey of supporting Africa. New Life called the guy up and said, we want to write that check. This is where God wants this money to go. Now, when he finished the story, I came back and I said, okay, let's go back. Because you, you said something about this giving fund. What is that about? And he said, well, we started with nothing. But we hoped the company would be successful. And we wanted to be ready just in case it was. And so when we started the business, we said up front, this is what we're going to do with the profits, and here's where this amount's going to go, and here's where this amount's going to go. And we just, we just set it up. And he didn't know this, but as he was telling me about this, this is what he was telling me about. He said, you know, before the first harvest, we, we, we got a basket. And we just started putting the first fruits into that basket. And, and the problem was the first fruits just kept growing. They just kept growing. But they were there and they were available when, when the conversation was had and, and when the opportunity was there. And, and they were so blessed to be able to write that check and say, this is, this is where those fruits need to go. Faithfulness in the first things really does have the power to change everything. Out of the confusion of so many things, is your life filled with a lot of things? 
Mine is too. Out of the confusion of so many things, we always, always, always begin pursuing better things when we are intentional about faithfulness with the first things. And the very clear reason is this. Because God's goal for your life, God's dream for your life is that you would find your security in God and God alone. Nothing else has the power to change everything than the one who all along has been our everything. So whether this is your first time here or you've been here for a long time, this is the challenge that I want to offer you as we move through these next four weeks. I want to challenge you to find a basket. And, and when I say basket, I mean a basket, a real basket where you can put your first fruits. And if generosity is a part of your life already, continue to do whatever it is that you are doing, but take some time and evaluate how faithful am I being with the first things? You don't have to email me and tell me what your answer is. You don't have to share it with anybody else, but have the courage to be honest with yourself about that. Are you living according to the, to the principle of the tithe of giving away a tenth of what God gives to you back to invest into the kingdom that God is building all around the world? And if there's a gap, here's all I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you just to place it in the basket. Don't do anything else. Just put it there. Just put it there and let it sit there for four weeks. And just take some time and pray about whether or not God would invite you to bring that to an altar. To have a moment where you can declare again, I know who I really am. I'm someone who used to be a slave in Egypt. I'm someone who used to be wrapped up in the bondage of sin. I am someone who has been set free by the gift of Jesus. And the value, the security, everything that I have in my life, it has nothing to do with what I possess. And it has everything to do with the one who came to possess and save me. And here's what I want you to hear very clearly. As a family of faith, everything that we do, we do together. And the capacity of what God can do through this church, it is a matter of the size of the, the sacrifice that we share. God can do amazing things multiplying that. But you don't have to bring that to this altar. You need to take it somewhere, though. Maybe another ministry that you want to invest in. But bring it somewhere and give it to God. And remember that your value, your security, who you are, everything, it's not wrapped up in what you possess, but it's in the one who all along has been your everything. So no one's going to check up on you. I'm not going to call you and say, hey, are you doing this? But I want to challenge you to do it. I want to challenge you to, 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 to in grace, just look at where you are. Not, not feeling any sense of guilt or uh, anything that would hinder you in that, but simply having the courage to be honest and say, God, I want to be faithful with the first things. Because we believe, this is the promise of Scripture, when you're faithful in the first things, it really does have the power to change everything. Let me pray for you. Loving and gracious God, today I give you thanks for your love at work in the world. I give you thanks, Lord, that, that, that most of us, all of us, we find ourselves in a place today where we are a long way from nothing. 
We've all got a lot of something. In fact, most of us say we have too much. There's just too much stuff in our life, too many things in our life. And yet, so many of us are driven still by this hope that one of them is going to change everything. But none of them will. Only you can do that, God. Only you can do that. And so in the midst of our finite existence, our life that is here today and gone tomorrow, this, this opportunity that we have in this world to do something for the sake of your kingdom, Lord, help us to have courage and help us each to be faithful with the first things, trusting that when we do, you, there's power released in our life to change everything. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.